When are you recording? Are you ready? Wait, no, I wasn't. Hang on, let me open the, the list. I'm Sweeney. What time is it? Yeah, I got it. I'm good. All right. Uh, welcome to episode 74 of the Game Time Game Time Bro Show. Game Time Bro Show. I'll edit that. It'll sound great. Welcome to episode 74 of the Game Time Bro Show. I'm Keith. Nailed it. And I'm Trevor. I'm Sweeney. And I'm Steve, and uh, other Steve is not here with us right now, but I'm sure he'll join us later, as he is wont to do. He's here in spirit. Guys, are we, <laughs> are we getting right into it? I think we are. We're going, we're hoping to get through what? Uh, games 50 through 21? 21's ambitious. I think we can do it. I think we can do it, but uh, boy, that's a lot of games. We'll see how far we get. Mm-hmm. Before I fall asleep on the on the mic, but we'll... just in case you know some of our fans are, have listened to uh, the shows out of order, or or just decided to boycott episode um, seventy three for reasons unknown. Uh, what we're doing is we're we're unveiling our collective top seventy five games of all time. It's the Game Time Bro seventy five, and I'm I'm thrilled about it. I love so many of the games on this list, even the ones I didn't include on my own list. And, uh, yeah, we, we got through the first 25 last time and we're looking to do at least 25 this time. And guys, what are your thoughts on the list so far? You, uh, I, I find the inclusion of a sixth bro problem. I was about to bring that up. Who are the bros? (laughs) There's certainly Keith and, and you and Sweeney, Steve and myself. Yeah. So who is the mystery bro? Last time, you know, there were some maybe some clues that something wasn't quite right, and I apologize for that. I, I never meant to deceive or mislead you guys. Um, but when, when all right, when this Tetris is uh, present day Steve, a, or I guess future Steve. Was forced to talk about it well, all all Steves are past Steves. Anyway, I, I'm talking over myself here because uh, what what happened when we recorded this podcast was I recorded, uh, no kidding, like a five to six minute explanation on how the final list was made. Um, the long story short is that in addition to the five lists solicited from the bros, I included a sixth list itself, a composite of eight other previously published all-time great video game lists from around the internet to sort of normalize and paint over the cracks and adjust for blind spots. It's it's a common thing in data science. It's uh, You can look up a, a Bayesian estimation if you wanted to get a gist of, of what I'm doing. Honestly, nobody cares. Mostly the other guys were just confused as to why there were six lists going into the... Uh, the final, the sausage, so to speak. I, I, I let them peek in on how the sausage was made, and that was a mistake. And uh, God, I just I rambled for five minutes here, sounding both defensive and apologetic. None of this really matters. You're not here to hear about exactly how the list was made. You're here to hear what games we all agree are the greatest of all time, and that's what we're going to do. So I've, I've caught you up to speed now, and I apologize for, for this hatchet edit job but uh we really need to trim some time here 
And with that, uh, we'll now rejoin our, our previous selves here and uh, get a recap of numbers 75 through 51, uh, all of which were unveiled on episode 73. Um, no, for those at home, number 75 was The Wolf Among Us. 74 was Batman Arkham City. 73 was Katamari Damacy. 72, Luigi's Mansion. 71, Stardew Valley. 70, Limbo. 69, nice, Tales of Symphonia. 68 was Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. 67 was Tomb Raider, the 2013 remake. Uh, 66 was Psychonauts. 65 was Valkyria Chronicles. 64, Silent Hill 2. 63, Super Mario Galaxy 2. 62, Star Fox 64. 61, The Witcher 3. 60, Tetris. 59, Rock Band 2. 58, Red Dead Redemption. 57, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. 56, Super Mario Bros. 55, Pokemon Red. 54, Final Fantasy Tactics. 53, Final Fantasy IX. 52, Doom, the 2016 remake. 51, Metal Gear Solid 2. And now number 50, Keith. The moment you've been waiting for. It's your boy, Halo 2. (laughs) Halo 2 for me, just because that came out while I was in college, and... Um, I think it was really the first time that I went gangbusters on with mul- online multiplayer. Revolutionized online multiplayer. Like Halo, sure. there was a lot of LAN parties. Um, certainly, or you're like going over to like a friend's basement on like two or three TVs are set up or something. And uh, and you get to jam that way. But yeah, this took it to another level and 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 introduced me to, you know, stupid shit talking on Xbox Live. Um, yeah, and had a blast. It was really more of like a blockbuster version of what Halo was, which was which was yeah. cool, right? Because it opens with like that giant fight on Earth. You guys remember online gaming before Halo 2? Yeah, all I was thinking was Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> there was That's an, all I got. There was an MVP baseball game real early on where you could just, if you're playing against somebody else, just pause the game and you could just wait forever and eventually they would get fed up and quit and <laughs> Uh, it would count as a forfeit for them, and you'd get a win. So, if if you were like losing it all, you're like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna pause." Especially oh, yeah. if it's like the end of the like the game, and yeah. you know you're gonna lose. It's just like, "Well, I'm just gonna filibuster yeah. for a win." Well, Put in an hour of work, and uh, the other guy's just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna press pause, and you're gonna take the L because you want to play another game more than I do." Halo Two is definitely top two or three for me from an hours played standpoint. This yeah, was a- is this the best Halo. For me, it is, it's certainly the best online multiplayer Halo in my mind. I mean, does it stand up today? Uh, almost. I think the lack of sprint really hurts it, uh, but it's very balanced. It has, I would say, 10 plus maps that are just like amazing. Um, it introduced dual wielding. Um, it, it, Basically, you got like twice as many weapons as you had in, in Halo, um, and it it was just such a revolutionary game at that time. In two thousand four, outside of PC gamers, like you just didn't have this type of online experience. Uh, the one knock on this game from my from my vantage point is just that. They ran out of time on the single player and it mm. it ended on a cliffhanger that was kind of lackluster. 
as far as I'm concerned. It felt like it was missing like an entire level. And, and I think that they've kind of revealed that, you know, in order to hit their launch date, they just cut shit from a uh, single player that that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But you still get like, there's still a warthog scene at the end, right? I don't think there is, Trev. I think... Really? This is the one that... I feel like every game in my memory is always ending with like, ah, run out of the building as it blows up type of thing. The ground falls beneath you. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. But I think, think, as Keith's saying, this is one where they just ran out of steam and speed. Um, And I, I remember this being... It's hard to really pick apart the Halo campaigns because I don't give a shit about the story. I'm playing Halo for the multiplayer. Right. That said, I really only played uh, the campaign on it. And yeah, you're absolutely right, Keith. It was, a, it was the game's weakness. Um, I'm, I'm happy that we can, for the most part, look beyond that campaign when we talk about Halo 2. Um, because yeah, this, this game was awesome. I'm glad it's on our list. I'm glad it's on your list, Keith, at number four. And, uh, yeah, we're number 49, 49, 49 is another, um, game that starts with H a L and ends with two. Uh, this is half-life two. You ranked this number 20, Trev, you ranked it 47. Um, still on my backlog guys. I haven't played this game. Tell me about it. So I, I've never played half-life one and I mean, I, I guess I should at some point, but, um, so at the end of that one, uh, I, I think there's kind of this weird twist where this uh, mysterious G-Man shows up and, and puts you uh, into a deep sleep, and uh, at the same time, like, aliens are, are taking over the Earth. Is that the gist of what's happening at the end of the first one? Yes, I, I think so. I played the first one and uh, loved it for how batshit insane it got um, about halfway to two thirds of the way through, and and yes, absolutely, you're you're opening new dimensions to new realms. No, wasn't this like also? Uh, I remember. So I had it on the orange box. If you remember that, like collection of Valve games that came up. Yes, in that's how I played it too. Yeah, and it was like one of the first games I remember kind of having this more like grabbing and throwing mechanism, where you could just sort of pick stuff up and chuck it, and gave you a lot of freedom in how you wanted to like do things. Yeah, um, I was gonna say there was a a big part of it is. Uh, I mean, as a shooter, it's great. Uh, a very competent one, uh, one with a, a great campaign told entirely through first person where you, you don't say anything and it's all real time. It all just kind of uh, walks you through this day or a few days in the life of uh, Gordon Freeman. And uh, But yeah, on top of it, there's all these physics puzzles that really kind of separate it from the pack where... Yeah, you can pick stuff up and, and move stuff around, but the the big addition I feel like it makes is the gravity gun, where you can just yank anything from like across a level and and shoot it at enemies, and that really makes for some uh, interesting combat. Right, like you're walking, you know, through a level, you see a like a buzzsaw blade on the ground. That's not trash. That's ammo. You pick yeah. that up. You chuck that at like one of those little like brain squid things. So, uh, yeah, I, I dug this game a lot. I just wish I remembered it a little bit better. Um, and probably the only reason it stays in memory so well is just because of, like, the meme of, of Half-Life 3. Will it ever be a thing? Is Gordon Friedman's story going to be going to continue in any way? It bothers so. me, guys, that this is above Halo 2. Because these both came out 
in the uh, fall of 2004, and it was a huge debate in high school. I was in a accidentally ended up in a Java class, uh, just full of fucking Uber nerds, and all of them with their fucking PCs, thinking Half Life Two was better than Halo Two. They all smelled like shit, and I was just happy to be the lone Halo Two uh, champion. Uh, but to see that you guys fall on their side is just a devastating blow to our friendship. Did I fall on their side? I don't know. Stan, did I rank Half-Life 2 over Halo 2? Uh, you did. You ranked it 47th, uh, and Halo 2 was 60th. Um, I didn't rank Halo well, 2 at all. I So I'm, I'm just like thinking about like Halo has continued on, and with sequel after sequel after sequel, it might have diluted the franchise and kind of caused all the titles to sort of blend together. Unless you, you have like a really strong experience with just one of them. Otherwise, you might just give credit to like, you know, the first title that just started this whole train. Um, well, there's a lot of games like that on our lists where, you know, one of us ranked one game from a franchise and another ranked another game from a franchise. And it's like, hey, had this franchise just gotten its shit together and made one awesome game. That's what I'm trying to get at is that like, I think there's a, it has a bit of a legendary status to it that has nothing really to do with the quality of the game, but just like, you know, it's story and it's legacy. It's carried on since nothing has been made after it, except for this random VR title that I will never experience. uh, I feel like there was a sort of Half-Life 3 that came out because they, were they like, had a couple episodes Yeah, they, that were actually but, decently sized games. They were each like five hours long. They had like Half-Life 2 Episode you, 1 and Half-Life 2 Episode 2, and then didn't they not even do Half-Life 2 Episode 3? Yeah, there was supposedly going to be a Half-Life 2 Episode 3, and that was... I think they so, came out at one point and said like, yeah... Half-Life 2, Episode 1 through 3, those are going to be what 3 was. But then they just didn't bother finishing it. Well, yeah, they left and, off the uh, the last episode on an even bigger cliffhanger than before. <laughs> so everyone's pissed about it. Well, that's the it just, joke is like they, they can never, they make two games and then they're done. Like there's no Portal 3, right? Yeah, and like everyone who worked on these games are long gone and yeah. they have Steam that just prints money. So they have no reason to to work on games anymore. So... Well, wasn't um, wasn't Counter Strike a Half Life Two mod that they later like claimed or bought themselves, Valve somehow? And I mean, I don't they know do how do that. work and how ownership. Oh, works. then that must be because Dota is a isn't it like a, a Warcraft Three mod? Yeah. So that they're just like, oh well, no, we'll just take the take the rice for this and make it our own. So anyway, I don't know. To Q's point, maybe Half Life Two or uh, Halo Two deserves to be higher. Tough to say, but there's there's hmm. something that does yeah. get invoked by just the mystery behind the Half-Life franchise. Let's move on. All right. Game number 48. Um, all three of you guys put this on your list. So uh, enlighten me. Tell me about Batman Arkham Asylum and how it's better than, or not better than Arkham City, which uh, came up earlier on okay, our list. Okay, I want to talk. Yeah, you, you gave this number 15, so the floor is yours, Keith. What What I loved about this game is... I thought the scope of it was perfect. It was, I thought it was a Metro Metroidvania in the truest sense. Um, and I feel like Arkham city kind of went away from that with how it opened it up into the city. And there's a lot more just like flying around and doing shit. Uh, I thought this was perfectly contained. It was paced. Well, 
you know, it was just the right length. And I really enjoyed the combat at the time. Um, I loved Mark Hamill as the Joker. And to me, this is like the perfect Batman game. Uh, Arkham City is great too. I just, I didn't need it to, to become like an open world game. Yeah, it was a lot more open world. This one, like you said, it was just Arkham Asylum. It's one location where once you, you get one power up, you can open up a, a new area and that extends where you can go rather than just being able to go everywhere at once. And the areas have their own unique personality, right? Like Poison Ivy's, like where she was locked up, is, you know, a jungle, right? Uh, of sorts. And, and doesn't like Mr. Freeze have an area. And I know when you go into like facing down Joker, I remember like a very ominous scene of walking through a hallway where there's a bunch of Jokers with televisions for heads. And all there's like TV monitors everywhere that are just taunting you, poking Batman, like, you know, just. Yeah, it, it 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 it's a good game. I like it a lot. I ranked City higher, and for the reasons that you guys don't like it, I very much like it. I loved seeing Gotham and seeing it open up to this big city because, in the end, he has to defend the city, and also the story um, was much more satisfying, way more epic uh, between. And it was going to be a, a bow out for Mark Hamill playing joker um which they kind of found a way to weave him back into the story for the fourth game um but yeah those notes hit way higher to me than than asylum ever did but asylum's still a great game and a perfect start to the series yeah i'd also say it uh it kind of came out of nowhere because um i mean this was on the ps3 xbox 360 generation and up to that point, there had been a lot of Batman games, and I'm not really sure any of them were really all that good. No. And then this one just comes out of nowhere and, and knocks it out of the park. It, it just loads up on all the memorable Bat- Batman villains, and uh, it was a blast to play, and it was like a game of the year for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know that there was even a good superhero game before this. Yeah, maybe not. So that's my... that's kind of my hesitation with this game and with a lot of superhero games in general is I worry sometimes when they're well rated and and highly hyped. um, And this includes like Spider-Man Miles Morales, and it includes a lot of the Marvel ultimate Alliance games. I just feel like sometimes I'm hearing people loving a game, but it's the same people who love every fucking comic book superhero movie that comes out. Oh yeah. You're, you're talking to the guy that bought the square Enix uh, Avengers game. Okay. Which was probably it's it's a strong C plus game that probably I have played way too much of. Um, but you know, clearly didn't even make it close to the yeah. to the top hundred list. Steve, um, is, but it's an objectively good game though. Yeah. It I, is. You don't really have to be a big Batman fan to enjoy it. Okay. And I, I like Batman, don't get me wrong. I'm not a stick in the mud Batman hater, but it sounds like it sounds like I should play this, and then if I like this uh, city as well, huh? I yeah, you need to play one, two, and four. Okay. Skip skip three. Yeah, four I, is I on Game Pass right now, so hurry up. Okay, noted. Cool, cool. Um, number forty-seven. You guys ready to move on? Sure. As luck would have it, this is also a game that uh, Keith, Trevor, and Sween all put on their lists. Keith, once again, the floor is yours. You put it higher than than anyone else at number twenty. Keith, Dead Space. Oh, I love Dead Space. Keith's mm-hmm. number 20, right? 
Keith's number 20. Yes, yeah. Uh, Trev, 57, and Sween, 35. So pretty high for Sween as well. Yeah, I mean, so you could easily dismiss this game as like Resident Evil in space. And I think to some degree that's fair. But it really brought some novel concepts to me. Particularly, I really enjoy like your starting weapon. It's basically like a... It's like, like line blaster? Line or is blaster, that- yeah. So basically you just cut the baddies into to like pieces i like i believe they're the necromorphs yeah if you have your gun like horizontal you can like take off a head and if you do it vertical you can like take off an arm and stuff so you really need to you need you get skilled with that because at first you just like keep shooting it in the abdomen and you're not really accomplishing much um i thought that space is kind of like the perfect um atmosphere for like a horror game like this i i really i really enjoyed the story i thought they did a really good job of just making you feel isolated um i do you sorry but do do you know who the main character is the first one or is he always just in the suit you never see who he is one one ends with him popping his helmet off one ends and you can okay because i thought yeah, I thought it was very like mysterious. Like that suit is awesome. As you go through yeah. the game and you very get the upgrades for the suit, suit, it just like you start feeling more and more like a badass. Um, which I think yeah. is really great for a scary game that like you're basically getting over your fears and you're feeling tougher and tougher at the end. Um uh yeah, no, it was a it was a great game for me. I just I, I think they all just sort of blend together. I have you all played two and three? I played two. Yeah, same thing. One and two. It sounds like three doesn't really need to be played. Um, three, three's more action oriented, I think, um, and not many people loved it. What another thing I thought to mention about this game is I thought they did a really good job of like just kind of giving you, just dripping the story like bit by bit, and it was like kind of a mysterious story, and you know you. you I thought it was just very satisfying the way they delivered the story in little pieces. Uh, They've unearthed this relic uh, and it basically just drives everyone around completely nuts. And it also unleashes these, uh, this like demon spawn uh, around on people. So you're fighting off all that. Um, Trev and Keith kind of got to a a few of the thoughts I had. Um, But yeah, what, what Keith was mentioning before about like using your weapons, not really to go for headshots, but this game was kind of, it pioneered this idea of uh, delimbing, which became very popular after that, I thought. Um, I, I just did a quick uh, uh, Google search while you guys were talking. I am surprised how old this game is. I remember the hype around this game. This is a 2008 game. I would have pegged this at like 2013, 14. Now, maybe that's just, holy shit. I think I that's because when like, like Dead Space 3 came out or something like that. But... Yeah, I definitely remember it for like the 360 era. Yeah, um, I, I still think it looks really good too. Yeah, it's it's another one on my my backlog. Um, like so many of the or so many of us. Yeah, yeah. It, just one other thing on Dead Space, I do want to point out because it was very small and subtle, but I, I thought it really worked great for the game. Uh, there's no heads up display in the game at all. It's oh. uh, it's kind of broadcast on your back. So you kind of see how much health you have just by looking at your character. And when My you're heart- going in for upgrades, you're like just looking at a wall. Uh, and like enemies can still attack you, which yeah. I thought really added to the immersion. Like you're, you're never safe. 
Oh, that's so unnerving to me. That's, oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll get to it after uh, I play everyone else's favorite uh, uh, survival horror game, Resident Evil 7, which is number 46 on our list. Ooh. What more needs to be said about this game? You guys just did a podcast. Yeah, we did a whole podcast. We could probably move on. <laughs> uh, Trev, yeah. Trev, you had this highest of all at, at 10th, um, so it's in your top 10. Sween at 23 and Keith at 83. Um, all right, well, if you guys are done uh, talking about it, and I know you just did a whole podcast on it, we can move on to uh, number 45, which is Halo Combat Evolved. Oh, so very close. Again. Actually, I actually like how close they are together yeah. because I really don't think there's a big differentiator other than the fact that multiplayer got really honed in for the second yeah. one. I think they were, then, they were revolutionary each in their own way. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, obviously, you got to give credit to the guy who starts it all. But then, like, you know, it took it in the what feels like now natural direction for it to go in as being, you know, yeah. this, this excellent online game. So I had this 79, Keith, you had this 69, and Trev, at 42, uh, the floor is yours if you want to talk about it. Well, I'm just going to give it more points because it's the one that started it versus that's just how I'm like uh, rationalizing it in my head. But like I said, I remember, especially like in the Boy Scouts, like if we were ever doing a non-camping trip, like we would always do a trip to um, Boston like twice a year, we would stay at like the YMCA barracks or something like that. And Basically, they had a couple TVs there, and kids would always bring their Xboxes in their bags, and we'd set up like four TVs and just do that for like eight hours throughout a whole night. Uh, just load it up on nothing but like soda and like candy, and just plow through that. So, just a lot of fun memories of just just every just doing blood gulch for nothing but a night. And uh, days. Now, Keith and I had similar experiences with this game, playing with some of our middle school pals. Uh, only four at once on any given console. So, like, it, you didn't have these epic big battles. It was, like, two on two, but then, you know, two people would find the scorpion tank, and that's it. That's game over for the other Oh, two. and, I'll, and I'll, be, I'll own it up. I was a screen looker. I was a oh, screen sure. looker so bad. Oh, I'm sure. Just, just like people it's like... right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... I'm like, it's, it's literally... I, I, my peripheral is taking it in. It is hard. Um, on those, those old, like, cathode ray tubes where, you know... <laughs> A 12-inch screen became, what, uh, four, six-inch screens when you were... Yeah, but you would see yourself walk into a sniper's vision and be like, Ugh! and you'd pull back. And, just, yes, yes. and then all of a sudden, they'd be just like, ah, you're looking. It's like, but of course, I would have to deny. Right, right. No, You I, can't prove a damn thing. What blows my mind about this game, and I, I understand that the it was on sort of a then-next-gen console, but this is a first-person shooter that came out what, two years after GoldenEye, maybe three, maybe one or two years after Perfect Dark? And it just completely, um, with no disrespect to those games, just put the first-person shooter as a party game. Like, on well, the- you, you finally get the two sticks for, yeah. for a first-person shooter. Um, you know, this totally original world, because like, I remember you start off and you're looking and like, holy shit, it's a planet in a ring. Um, that's what blew my mind about the campaign on this game. And again, I played the campaign uh, much later than when it came out, but I was, I really was immersed in the story in this game in a way that I just wasn't in, um, in Halos two through five. Are we on? Yeah. But I got to say like maybe one of the top 10 scores in video games.
you know, which is always going to help things. And uh, I also like want to throw out that um, when you first meet the flood, that's a pretty creepy moment, like of just real panic inducing this alien creature that comes out and it's, there's just tons of them. And just like this panic moment that kind of sticks with you. It's so rare when you look back at, you know, call it this millennium to make a absolutely iconic um, IP, right? I mean, people everywhere, I think, recognize Master Chief in a way that they do like Mario or Link. Um, he it- is, yeah, he is the Mario of Xbox. Literally when I got the, the, uh, the, new, the new Xbox Series X, and it has a very good unboxing experience on like PlayStation just threw it in a white box and like put a sticker on it. We're like, we're done. Oh, yeah. Listen, like- you're going to throw this away. But Xbox looked really fucking nice when I opened it up and there was like a ton of like it, this, it greets you to like, welcome to the dream experience or something. And sure enough, front and center, it's, it's a, it's a still of Master Chief this presumably from the infinity game that has not yet come out. <laughs> Yeah, you can't overstate the importance of this game because it launched with Xbox, the first Xbox console. And who knows, without this, Xbox may not be a thing. All right, uh, number 44 on our list is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Remake! Uh, Trev, you had this at 73. Stevie had this at 14, uh, making this just... Trivia here, like the first game he's had on his list in about ten games, and holy shit, you I didn't have Dead Space on uh, on his <laughs> list. I, I can't believe it. You had neither Resident Evil in space nor Resident Evil uh, Biohazard in Louisiana. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, and I had this number twelve, and I'm 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 wow. kind of surprised already as I look at that and go, wow, this is number twelve. And wow. you, know. you you played it last summer, and I just remember you raving about it. Like you see, blown away by the story, you jump back into it and start playing like the new game plus or whatever. I won't spoil how high on my list Final Fantasy VII uh, original is, but it's higher. I'll leave it at that. Um, and and remake came with so much hype. Um, in fact, if you go. <laughs> If you listen to old Game Time Bros, you'll probably hear me at some point in like 2015 uh, making jokes about like, where's the Final Fantasy VII remake? And then finally, one E3, they actually announced it. And, you know, I was losing my mind. And then it just stopped being a thing for years. I mean, it was obviously in development, but it just went away. They announced it five years too soon or whatever. Um, So this had all kinds of hype to live up to. It was never going to live up to the hype. Um, and then it just absolutely did in its own really cool way. Um, Trev, you've played it. Uh, Sween, you have not, right? Because you are, you've not. not yet. Okay. I'll, I won't spoil the ending. And Keith, you've not played. Um, oh, I played FF7 already. Oh, but that's the thing. This game makes some decisions at the end of itself. Now, it's, it's purportedly um, just the Midgar section of Final Fantasy VII. And at first mm-hmm. you think, well, that's dumb. How big can that be? But then, no, really. It's still like a 30, 40 hour game, right? Entire world, right. It's a, it's, it's, it is legitimately a 30, 40 hour game. There's a little padding. There's a little silliness. There was silliness in the old game. I mean, there's a guy with a gun for an arm. Like it, the game's always been campy. But it just, it, this game absolutely uh, did it for me. Uh, last year, yep, year ago, so rarely in my life do I beat a game and then jump right back into it. But I new game plus this or hard moded this or whatever you want to call it, uh, like immediately after uh, playing it. And I can't say enough about it. 
And I really do want to talk about some of the narrative decisions they made and how that ties into how the game is playing out slightly differently than the original Final Fantasy VII and how this kind of is or isn't a true remake or a reboot or takes place in the same universe, but on a perhaps parallel timeline or later in a time loop. I'm saying far too much already, but I am so... I'm so excited for where Remake 2 goes, Trev. Because yeah, I am. I, I'm yeah. there with you. I'm very much chomping. Uh, or is it chomping at the... I'm, I'm looking for... But you, you think of horse chompers, so I don't... Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for what the second game will bring. Um, I was... I, I, it, this game looked amazing. It, it starts in and it just hits you with this yes. like orchestral fanfare. Um, as you swoop through the city that you're going to be spending the whole game in, um, going into um, as Eris like walking, it's it's re it's remaking the opening of the original perfectly, but just bringing into like you know modern light, um, yeah. which I think is a great way to start it. Um, and uh, you still have the same opening mission, so it starts I think really close to what you're familiar with, um. You know, and the one thing I'll also say about this game is, while it's not my favorite Final Fantasy VII in general, um, they are clearly Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. I think they are easily the most iconic characters of yeah. the, of the entire franchise. Um, and so, seeing all these guys brought to life again was just a treat and a joy. Um, yeah, I, and. Um, this and oh the gameplay um yes I'm moving like, away from you know your your turn base um and and having this this kind of like merge in between like live action hack and slash um dodging and rolling i don't know what do you want to call it uh versus the with the ability to cast your your was it magicka spells or whatever yeah there are little charge meters for for magic and particular skills um, there's still the limit breaks that fill up and you can unload them. Typically every boss fight, you'll unload multiple limit breaks. Um, it, yeah, I completely agree. They they seem to kind of master the like sort of the new hack and slash trend in, in RPGs of just mash square and triangle and your party members are on autopilot. Um, they balance that with, oh, if you press, I forget what button it is, but uh, start or R1 or something, everything slows down to like one one hundredth speed which just looks cool, first of all, while it's unfolding. And you get to, an opportunity to make a choice. Menu selections, right. And you can tell, you know, you're probably controlling Cloud most of the game. Suddenly you tell Barrett, like, no, fire a shot at that guy far away. Or Tifa, you know, cast Cure on the party. I mean, it, I really... It keeps it really interesting. Oh, and by the way, you're, yeah, you're still only fighting with three people on the yeah. field at once. Um, and while it wasn't overly challenging, it also was not easy. Um, definitely oh, points I died uh, many times. I will say, especially on that new game plus hard mode, there are there's just some new wrinkles they do. Um, you can't level up past, I think it's level 50. So it's not like you can just grind your way into being stronger. Like there's an actual level cap. Felt like Destiny almost. And then beyond that, on um, hard mode, you cannot use, I think it's items at all. So... Like smoke them if you got them uh, at the end of regular mode, <laughs> because mm-hmm. yeah, you just you can't use items to cure yourself, and so you have to use cure spells to cure yourself, and then you can't use items to cure your MP. Well, I never use my items. I might need them later. 
Well, the, exactly. Right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we, we, we've gushed a lot. Um, we've gushed a lot about this, but Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, lived up to all the hype and then some. I just hope we don't have to wait eons for the next game. I agree. And with the pandemic. You know, I, I, yeah. And I, I'm hoping Square involved. Enix recognizes like, oh yeah, everyone really likes this and they knocked it out of the park. So let's give all the funding we need to make this happen. It's been a long year, but this came out last April. This was absolutely a COVID, a pandemic game, much like Animal Crossing New Horizons. I mean, but it, I'm, I think it sold like gangbusters and I, I really am hopeful that Remake 2 is, is coming and coming soon. Um, but let's move on. Number 43 on the list, Okami. Uh, <laughs> I feel his- like this would Steve would have this the highest. He had it number nine. He, this is a top mm-hmm. 10 game for Steve. Um, I, that feels low to me. <laughs> did you, did I you would have expect it higher? Yeah, had it, it, it is on my list. Zelda yeah, the game on the list. Sween had it forty-five, and uh, Trev had it forty. So, I guess between the two of you, either one of you can take this one. But go for it, Sween. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I thought I might be called on with this, and I, I tried to jot some notes down. And I, I feel like I want to give you what I have, just without any context, okay. uh, just to let you know. So my note on this right now is best Zelda clone where you paint items and attacks mostly worked well with the Wiimote feels like three games stuck together keeps building after what seemed like an early conclusion, very horny giant breasts everywhere, (laughs) all wolf all the time. And that's really all the thoughts I have on it. Well, here's Dr. Sheridan to help us talk about it. I'm sure he's got some thoughts. I'll catch him up. All right, fuck Trevor. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, wait, hello wait, again. Wait, this is, uh, present, enough. future Steve chiming in. Um, what, what happened here is Sheridan joined our podcast late, um, and, and that's fine. Um, but as you can hear, he came in just scorching hot, um, wanting to pick a fight with Trevor about Trevor's takes on a game we haven't even discussed yet, it, it, it needs to be said. Um, and then, you know, we fill Steve in, uh, we, we let him know what games he's missed. He has many scattered thoughts on most of those, including some very warm ones on Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we've just discussed. I think he talks about Okami, but I'm not even positive, um, because it's, it's just such a... He, he hit like a hurricane, and I don't blame him. He's high energy coming in here, wants to talk about his favorite games. I get it. Um, but but what unfolds from here is, is uh, well, just just listen for yourself. It, it, gets, it gets a little weird. Let's move on. Fuck you, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, speaking of fuck you, Trevor, uh, number 42 is Final Fantasy X. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Trevor. Let's go. Let's hear your horrible fucking takes. You have the floor. You ranked it second overall. So oh, I did. I did. But I want to hear. I want to hear the fucking garbage takes that are coming first. Well, first of all, this game is outside of Blitzball, uh, which I feel like is the only thing you loved about this game. You played through the whole Blitzball, right? I did. Yeah, every every bit you're you're a blitzball champion. Here is my beef with this game is that I I enjoyed it. Right. It so like as you can hear, uh, I, Steve I, opens you know, up the discussion on his second uh, favorite game of all time, 
by just imploring Trev to tear into it. And uh, I, I'm cutting all this from from the podcast. This this goes on for far too long. It's a weird segment. It's a uh, it's not in keeping with the tone of the rest of the podcast, where we come to elevate the games and and really enjoy them and respect them. Um, so instead, I'm just going to to play a. a Roast-worthy clip from the game itself. It's honestly more enjoyable to listen to than uh, Steve egging Trevor on to to hate his favorite game. And honestly, a, a top 20 game for me. I, I really like this game, too, and I was too exhausted to talk about it by the time uh, these two were, were done going at it. So, anyway, enjoy. shouldn't laugh anymore. Go ahead and tell us why you like this game instead of uh, letting your bro roast it. <laughs> I just wanted to hear his terrible takes to get me fired up because they weren't as bad. He's trying. He's trying to. He's trying to tame himself. He's trying <laughs> to tame himself a little bit. Um, the voice acting was not great, at least with the main character. I will give you that. Um, the graphics were. They do not look good now because it is 2021, but. If we were talking about beautiful games like Okami, this is on a different scale and certainly looks different. But this game, this was the first Final Fantasy game on PS2, and it blew away expectations for people. And that is why it is so well-renowned and why it is my number two game. I play the crap out of this game. You are not wrong that you can overpower yourself quickly. But for me, for the amount of time that I put into the game, I loved the fact that I was cruising through like the end boss like there's very few games where i can fight the the last boss and kill them in two hits and be like that was worth it i i put in so much fucking time to that game that by the end of it i didn't want a challenge i challenged myself in every other way in that game and i was happy with the end result say what you want say what you want the sphere grid was fucking awesome i love the sphere the sphere 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 game was all right has been one of the coolest leveling systems they even did they incorporated a little bit into final fantasy 7 remake yes they did a little sphere grid-esque sphere 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 grid-esque um the weapons yeah but it like it's just one of the games that i've played the most amount of time i mean well hour wise not number of times played um but it's just one of the most memorable games for me uh, it always will be, which is what most of my top ten ish. Um, yeah, were. outside of uh, outside of Final Fantasy fifteen, what's the one with the bros? Fifteen. Um, 
and yeah, the, uh, outside of that one, this is this is my worst Final Fantasy game. But I have not played them all, okay. and more. Yeah, so so it makes sense that your takes are crap. All right, cool. All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sween or Keith? Oh, right? oh. Uh, yeah, I I played it. I could take or leave it. I I wasn't too into it. Um, when yeah, did you n- play no it? opinion. I, plus, I mean, th- these two were uh, so combative that I, I don't want anyone to really. I'm not combative on this. I'm not combative. I'm kind of in the I'm, group with everyone else of just being like, it's a meh. It's not that I hate this game. It's that you love this game. You're a, you're a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. And, I have no time for this. If you're not pushing, I have no time for this. Let's move on. And, and, yeah. You're a coward. <laughs> you're an absolute fucking coward. Save it for the <laughs> FF10 cast. You're a coward, Trevor. You fall asleep, Keith. I am on a bed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, Keith. Just, I uh so my only anecdote about this game is that we renamed Titus Phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Only thing I'll say about this game, because boy, did you guys cover it. Um, I ranked it 19th overall, top 20 game for me all love time. That. Okay. I love that, Stan. Fuck you, Trevor. <laughs> <You're coward. laughs> well, you got two people that ranked it high and three people that didn't even put it on their list but moving on. Good. Moving, on. moving on let's move on trevor's a coward let's move on number 41 uh super metroid ah i had this 66 sween had it 59 and keith had it 47 so a lot of middle of the road takes um keith the floor is yours if you'd so, like yeah i mean so a couple of things about this game i remember vividly getting an EGM back in like 2002 maybe and it was their top 100 games of all time um and they ranked Super Metroid the best game of all time so once I, I heard this. that I was like I have to play this game um so I went and this was right around the time when I had just played Metroid Fusion uh loved Metroid Fusion one of my favorite games uh, so I went to GameStop. I bought a Super Nintendo, which I think was like 60 bucks at the time. And I bought a copy of this game for like 20 um, which is a fucking steal at this point. Of course. Holy shit. <laughs> and, and I played it, and I found it so like inaccessible. Um, uh, so I, uh, it's just... When I know you, what you it, mean. When you compare it and, and Metroid Fusion, Metroid Fusion isn't like linear but there's like a much more straightforward map and it's kind of clear what you're doing whereas this is more handholdy it's more handholdy this is a lot more exploration but Mm -hmm. what i found was that the world wasn't particularly interesting to me for the most part just like you drop bombs on random squares and some will blow up but i mean the gameplay was top notch and and i really liked the story and I just like Metroid, and I would love another another 2D side-scrolling Metroid. This was a good game, but to me, it's not Metroid Fusion. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that take. Uh, I also played Super Metroid after Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission, for what it's worth. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Keith. It was a little less accessible. Um, it was a little harder to play, certainly without a walkthrough. And Ultimately, it sat with me, I think, a little less strongly than other Metroid games have. My 66th ranking on it is as much out of respect and acknowledgement for what it is and did 
as it is out of like personal uh, pleasure that I derive from this game. Um, so I, I don't really have much to say about it. Um, I feel like this is like the game that like Nintendo power was around for to like yeah. help spell out the levels and well, the ori- this is original. This, Zelda. this is the, oh, this is the original Metroid, right? No, this well, is the third super Metroid. Oh, the third. Oh man. I clearly have not played any, of but, games. but I would, I would, I would understand if people say this is the best in the franchise. I've dabbled in it. I wouldn't say I've never beaten it. Um, and I've certainly like watched from afar as other people have played it. So I, I know, I feel like I've got the gist of it, but I, I couldn't justify really putting it on my list without playing the whole thing from beginning to end. Sure. Um, but I respect it on the list. I totally do. It, when it starts up, it's like really creepy and silent. And it's just, you just hear those like that, that ominous like synth noise that I think becomes emblematic of the Metroid franchise that I've only played a little bit of, but um, I can appreciate the the tone it's going for. All the Metroid games have kind of an undercurrent of uh, horror to them. Like a, a very small one. I'm not calling them survival horror games whatsoever. You are loaded to the gills with bombs and, and missiles by like one third of the way through any of these games. But I, completely, you're on an alien planet. It's dark. It's eerie. The, one of the big problems I had with the gameplay was again comparing it to Metroid Fusion, whereas you could grab onto a ledge in Metroid Fusion. And this I was thinking this too. And I think it was a big reason why I just didn't find it as fun to explore in Super Metroid versus Fusion. Yeah, I mean, like you guys, I uh, well, I, I went heavy on the Metroidvanias in this, so all of the ones I liked got ranked pretty high. But yes, I also had Metroid Fusion a, a bit higher just because, yeah, you could do a little more. Uh, the game makes it a little more clear where to go, but I also, yeah, definitely respect what Super Metroid was doing, where it's very open-ended, and it's like, all right, here's this world. You gotta explore. You gotta go find this yourself. Um, which they had done before in Metroid 1 and, and 2, but this was the first one I felt really nailed it and made a good game out of it. Mm. Yeah, good good game. Mm-hmm. Uh all liked it none of us loved it uh let's move <laughs> uh this is the first four bro game on the list so uh you know that in and of itself is notable steve apologies you're the bro left out in the cold here okay. uh, this is grand theft auto vice city and uh four of us had this in the top hundo i had it at 80 sween at 64 trev at 79 and keith at 39 the highest among us so i uh, keep the floor is yours if you'd like it uh to talk about <laughs> Yeah. Keith, is this your highest GTA? Uh, I think, I don't know. I think so, probably. It's definitely the one that stands out to me the most from a, just a vibe standpoint. Like, they benefit from be, having that. Um, oh, I mean, the, atmosphere, yeah, it right? feels like, I mean, I know it's a little bit more 80s, but it, I mean, it feels like Scarface the game in a right. sense. Right. And, and yeah, Keith, totally. does, Keith does love 80s music. We right. know this. No, well, so. I mean, it came on right on the heels of GTA 3, which just was so revolutionary. And and I feel like the additions it made were just were great. And I mean, and when I say that, it was just some wacky weapons like a chainsaw and then like shiny new cars and a great soundtrack. But to me at the time, that's all it needed. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just like this. 
But this uh, was definitely one of those games where I would stay up late with friends and we'd all take turns like, you know, taking a car around and just causing chaos or trying to find like tricks you can run the car off on or heaven forbid picking up a prostitute and um, to cure your health. Yeah. To yeah. To carry your health. And, and I remember like, you know, some kids were, they were probably early, early days of the internet too. So you know, one kid might be looking like uh, up to get codes or cheats or understand the map. You also got a map with the game back in the early days of um, GTA. So I remember you'd have this giant poster and you're trying to make sense of this larger world. Um, yeah, two so, big yeah. islands, I think this one was, right? Yeah. I, it, GTA is one of these interesting series to me. Um, with a lot of the franchises, I kind of look at the the first game as probably being not necessarily the best, but I will definitely wait with the most importance because it sets everything in motion. GTA is one of those things where I really feel like a lot of the sequels keep pushing the bar more and more and more. Um, and and it's, it's becoming, you can see it becoming more and more itself what it always wanted to be. Um, and I think hopefully we'll see that maybe going forward in some of the rankings. Um, but Vice City definitely stands like a, a significant jump ahead of where of where three was, which three already blew minds in much, in my opinion. Vice city. Absolutely. Of a time of a place, uh, that soundtrack, those missions, uh, the cocaine just everywhere. <laughs> rises, the, the fashion, the car color. And who doesn't love the kooky radio ads? Oh my God. <laughs> was it a uh, Laszlo? Oh yeah. Okay. Was he in this one too? I forget. Uh, that was three. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I think also Vice City, was this the first one where you could fly aircraft because yeah. they had that? In- oh, they had an airport. They immediately took it out of three after 9-11, understandably. I could yeah. be wrong about that. Oh, but there was a- I didn't I was even gonna see, uh, process that. All yeah. I remember is there was the Dodo, right? It right. was a plane with no wings that you could get a little bit of flight fly. Yeah. Right, and I think that was it. And now I never played San Andreas, and I think you got a jetpack in that one. What? Um, Okay. Do you? Do you? I mean, I oh yeah, I didn't. Yeah, and you get all sorts of different airplanes in San Andreas. They, a lot of people throw them at you. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people try to put San Andreas near the top of the GTA list, um, which always makes me think of like, why? Why didn't I give this one to go? Mm. Um, I think San Andreas yeah. occupies that weird space where it's GTA three three, and then GTA four came out, and it's like, oh, all right, like these were all just kind of different flavors of GTA three why don't I go play GTA four? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, let's move on to a game that we actually just brought up. Number 39 is Metroid fusion. Keith, your number seven game. There's, there's some no single player game that I've played more than this, not from an hour standpoint, but from a completion standpoint, I beat this game so much. Oh yeah. You beat this like 10 times yeah. and would yeah. tell me like text me every time you beat it. Yeah, back yeah. when we had free time. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the time. Is, is Fusion really... Fusion's GBA? Yes. yes. Right. I mean, I I love so much about this game. I mean, the bosses were so unique and colorful. I love the Metroid Fusion suit. I, I thought that the power ups they had were really interesting. Um, you know, as as far as I'm concerned, this is the best game on Game Boy Advance by far um it's 
I would co-sign on that. Yeah. And Does it have a lot of competition? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can try ranking at some point. Oh, you're yeah, right. You're right. <laughs> no, I mean, I I think so. If you think about it, I mean, this was the fucking successor to Super Metroid, right? Like it was. There wasn't. This and Metroid Prime came out on the same day, right? Right. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. They haven't come up out with a like really, uh, like new game in the franchise as a two D Metroid game. I mean, they did have Zero Mission, but that was kind of a remake of an existing game. They had Samus Returns or whatever recently. Yeah. Whatever, but like this game was great. And I I just had so much fun with it. I think this is what Super Metroid wanted to be, but was but couldn't be. Um, you know, and in honestly, I'm surprised I ranked it seven. It should have been higher. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Damn, love that. I put it 28, pretty high for me. Uh, Sween had it 49. We we have talked about it a, a little bit. Um, I really have nothing to add except uh, when I brought up earlier that Metroids felt very kind of like they had horror undertones or undercurrents. I was really thinking about Metroid Fusion, even though I brought up that take on Oh, so Metroid Fusion has the most uneasiness to it, you'd say? Metroid Fusion, you are being tracked slash hunted by uh, the SAX, which is the Samus Aran hyphen X, which is the X parasite that has taken over. It's essentially your clone, but it's really... So Shadow Samus, all right. Like fully powered and just yeah. constantly stalking you through uh, through the. So game. you got a doppelganger that's oh so like as you're jumping around the Metroidvania map, it'll pop out and try to take you down. Yeah, so it's very similar to Dark Samus. I'll admit that, but it's it's more like yeah you you're because everyone knows that in a Metroid game you lose all your abilities when you crash land or whatever and slowly unlock them, or in that other M game I guess you have them all along and like need a man's permission to use them or whatever. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair. You have both. Both of those things I didn't know. Fair. <laughs> but um, but but yeah, the 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 bad guy in this one is the X parasite that can just copy, like like latch itself onto and copy not just life forms but technologies. So all the bosses you fight in Metroid Fusion, correct me if I'm wrong, Keith. You do it to unlock your own abilities, but like in a way that actually makes sense. Like you have to beat. Uh, the the power bomb the X and then you get your power bombs back or or whatever, right? Um, yeah, and which makes for some really unique boss fights. Like no two bosses feel uh, feel alike. Um, one boss fight special mention to it took me forever to beat that fucking spider. Um, Is that the screw attack one? Uh, I think the screw attack. I. I'm no, it's remember. not. I don't think so. It sounds it's like we so both need to replay this game, Keith. We do. I I, <laughs> I actually rebought it within the last couple of years too. Um, so I'm going to play it on Game Boy Advance. All right, let's coordinate that, and we'll have oh, a yeah. uh, a Metroid Fusion cast in the future. Oh, yeah. well, nice. Let's, let's move, move on. on. Let's move on to a title that I can comment. On. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Steve and Trev, you both had this in the top twenty, so there are things you can agree on. And I had a 56th overall, and this is The Last of Us Part 2. And boy, we need to tread carefully because Sween and Keith both have not played it and would love to. I, wow. Uh, I, 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 wait. Wait. Let's... Oh, you started, Keith? 
I'm 20 minutes in. Oh, no, here, here is my real praise for The Last of Us Part Two. Um, right. is that this is this is something I've been thinking about for a while. The storytelling that's used in this game is proving to me that there is still room left to go as we explore this medium that is video games and how they can take narratives and push them to new heights because this was a giant exploration for me on what what vengeance and the 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 lust for revenge will do to people um and you get it told not like in a movie but but through two different characters who are at very different points on their journey for revenge starting off with an inciting incident that takes one uh, journey is at a closure and one's just starting um yep. and i just loved going through and seeing how they they traveled along and how either you know you know their 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 revenge has you know basically put them in despair or made them question everything about themselves versus the other thing just blinding them and they are just marching like a train trying to accomplish their goal that is an absolute correct take trevor and i have talked about this uh already uh we've had that um, this exact conversation already about about what vengeance looks like, where the, it, and it was beautifully told. Uh, I did, I believe, rank the first one higher. So, Trevor, did you rank this one higher or the first one? I, I think I ranked this one higher. I was standing stand can basically say. I think it's relatively. I, close. I, I'm not even, I don't even sure if I ranked the, the first one. I might have. I don't really remember, but I, I think it was relatively the first one's not good. The, yeah, I think I was relatively close for me. And I totally can't fault someone for putting one ahead of two just because of that opening. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, this game, I love this game. I played it fairly recently. So that also could be why it is higher, even though I, or why it is high for me. Where did I rank it against Dan? Sorry. 15. Yeah. You had a top 20. Top 20. I thought so. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, this, I, I, everything that Trevor just said is, is totally, is totally. I just, I I just care so much for these characters. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, and, uh, yeah, and I and I personally have have thoughts of where the third one is going to go, um, and how it's tough because when I care about a property so much, I begin to imagine what they where it could go, and I feel like if sometimes if it doesn't align, right, yep. yeah, you get trapped and you get disappointed when you shouldn't be, um, right. because you're just you know uh, because especially if they're pre- keeping the same storytellers, these guys won a bunch of awards for the VGAs, so yeah. Um, yeah, and kudos to them. Uh, yeah, but um, super excited for where the third one's going to go. And I think I think this definitely has to be probably a franchise that ends after game number three. Um, I don't know how how much we can keep doing it. It feels like it needs to have a, a definitive ending. You could spin it off a few times, but even I will say of this one, I'm not as high on this game as both of you. I did love this game. Um, I thought toward the end, some of the story beats petered out a little bit and there was less care or um, emphasis, I guess, on some of the moral dilemmas that were going on. And it, the, it ended just a little flatter for me than it started and sustained itself for the middle portions of the game. Um, that's not a knock on it. I, I thought that false ending, it hit me so hard where basically you think, perfect family thinks it's gonna be good i'm trying not to spoil anything without with, with, sure. and then you are, and then, you're already pretty close and yeah. then and then basically you know uh 
Ellie gets gets you know encouraged to go back out and finish her um, abort, abort, abort. Finish her you're mission. Getting, you're getting and um and yeah, to me that was it. I I was a little torn between like does it feel a little forced or or does it, is it really just like sweeping my legs out from under me? Uh, that you know this character who is. Yeah. I won't say anymore. I can't say I'm gonna, anymore. I'm going to cut you off there and say, Keith has to edit this. I don't know why he left. <laughs> no. um, I love you, Keith. I'm glad that you took the time to leave and that you want to embrace this uh, well, well, as Keith, you play it. Keith but you have to edit this podcast and you're going to listen to this all anyway. Keith loved Last of Us, right? You loved the first game. Yes, and Keith Keith and I had a a then disagreement on the ending of last of us that we talked about you and I did as well. And and I believe I, I I don't know what your problem with it was. I respect it now, but it like at the time, I think I was really hurt that Joel had to kill everyone. Yeah. Sweeney's pulling a swing on, on last of us one. I've come around and been like, no, Keith was right about the story they told and the way they told it. But boy, do they do something similarly gut wrenching in, uh, in two. Yep. I will say of two, and then we should move on because this is a minefield for three of us. Yes, yeah, we are we are real fucking close. I will say of two, go in as blind as you can. Absolutely play the first one first. I'm trying. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been out for like a year. Yeah, but only a year. Um, but 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 there are there are maybe two huge decisions this game makes. Uh uh narratively and the first one i think is what a lot of people just were gobsmacked by immediately frankly may have caused some of the bad reaction to this game that was out there for a limited uh, toxic time but it's this second trick the game pulls about midway through and i will say nothing more than that 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 really i, I think did some cool things and really fucked me up in some weird ways yep and and I can't wait to talk to you both about this in more detail. Seriously. Wait, uh, what do you do? What, what happened to Midway Tre- Trevor, Trevor, don't. Don't, man. Why? That's what when are you get doing? to the basement. Can we move on? Can <laughs> we move on? And see I the just, Rat King. Can we, move, we need to move on, or <laughs> I, I feel responsible for Trevor. Can we move on, please? What's the, next, what's the next title? I'm trying. I'm trying. Number 37 on the list is Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Yes! Ah, shit. I gotta pause now. I haven't played it yet. Uh, now you're gonna be the guy spoiled by the <laughs> Naughty Dog emotional ending. Um, Keith had this number 11. The floor is his. I am also going to uh, mute my computer by signing off. I'm letting you guys finish this off as a foursome. I wish you luck. So, I mean, for me, I... I can't say enough good things about Naughty Dog games. I mean, they're all so cinematic and so engrossing. Um, They just have these huge set pieces, particularly Uncharted, right? They have these huge set pieces, but then they have these intimate moments, particularly in in Uncharted 4, which I think uh, really brought this game home for me. Oh, total cinematic masterpiece. Right. And it it tugged at your heartstrings the uh, a way that the previously weren't able to. Um, I, I was really impressed with like graphically. I thought it was really incredible for the time. I, it still is. I'm still blown away. This is a PS4 game and it really took, 
I think every single advantage they could think of that the PS4 had. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I wish more games were like this. Um, I, I was a little bit worried about this game when I knew they were introducing his fucking brother out of nowhere, but I thought they did a really good job of kind of justifying his absence and in making you care about him. Yeah, it, I think it worked out really well. And I think in, in part because they did a lot of flashbacks, um, which, by the way, when they were first casting Tom Holland to be the movie version, I'm like, oh, they're going to do little kid. They're going to do like teenage Nathan Drake versions right. um, where, you know, he believes, oh, I'm a descendant of a great, you know, uh, explorer. And it's my destiny to also, you know, hunt for treasure and whatnot. I love all the Uncharted games. and. Uh, there's still one I haven't played called like the lost levels or something, not the lost levels, the lost legend. Maybe there's that. There's the golden abyss, which I just bought on eBay because today my PS Vita Vita. came in the mail. There you go. Um, So yeah, between that one, which I think starts girls um, like Chloe and, um, and then the golden abyss that will be all the uncharted games. And I hope to God they come up with the number five. I hope it's not over. I, I would love to see his story keep going. I think his story might be over. Yeah, if I had to guess. Or, or th- do you think his daughter would t- take up the reins? His daughter's yeah. going to become Tomb Raider, right? I mean, what a cross. <laughs> yeah. Changes her identity, becomes Laura Croft in a time loop. Um, I, I mean, like, it, it would be, I, just, I just think, I mean, like, I'll leave it up to Naughty Dog. They clearly know what they're doing. And if they were just like, no, we're done. It's, it's a thieves' end. What else do you want from us? Right. Um, you He's, know, just be, you know, at least you get, at least you went out on the fucking high note. All right. What's our next game? Well, I'm so bummed that Sweeney just left because our number 36 game is resident evil four. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. I mean, to- I, where do we, where does Sweeney and I have that ranked? He has it as his fifth game of all time. And oh. uh, Trev, you're much further down the list at 52, but, uh, this on you to, to take i'm shocked it's I, so low for you. and and that says a lot because i'm pretty sure sween has played this one like within the last year or two like i think he revisited like an hd upgrade i don't know if it was on the wii or wherever but um yeah i this is i think this is the game that kind of made me gave it give a shit about resident evil like i really didn't care about it in its earlier days, uh, you know, when it was on like PlayStation and N64 for Resident Evil 2, uh, just because that fixed camera was just a pain in the ass. But this one takes it, makes it third person, um, follows around Leon Kennedy as he goes to undisclosed parts of Europe. I think you're in Spain. Um, and uh, <laughs> try to rescue uh, the president, of the US president's daughter uh, that's been like kidnapped by this like yeah i i think this one was it felt much more action-packed um which was just made it really exciting it definitely got very weird at the end but i think that's kind of on point for resident evil games like it's just like more nonsense about people trying to weaponize like mutants and um as if they think it's going to work still and i can't even remember how this relates to umbrella corporation or anything like that. And I don't even know if that's important at this point, um, but it was definitely scary, but it, in terms of the balance between fear and excitement, uh, you definitely lean towards excitement in this. 
with a lot of quick action gunplay. Um, and it's the same style that the remakes of two and three have followed through on. It just, it's a gameplay that works really well. So this is a, this is the consensus best resident evil for not among us. And I don't even mean a, a consensus list, although I guess technically that's true too. I think that's absolute dog shit at this point, considering seven. So, so I could be that I need to update my mental model. Here, here is the thing. I will say four has the excitement. Seven has the fear. I don't know. It's chocolate and vanilla. Yeah. No, it just depends what you like. Where I was going with this was it is the only resident evil game I have played. And unfortunately I did not love it. And I, I don't even know what it was I didn't love about it, but I come not to bury it, but just to to point out that I'm excited to play seven because I've heard it's very different as you kind of just said, Trev, but also apprehensive about, well, maybe this series just isn't for me, but I'm thrilled that resident evil four is on our list is that high on our list. Although I guess if it was one rung lower, Sween would have been able to talk about it. And that's a bummer. That's true. My only experience with resident evil four is playing it, in Trevor's basement in college. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> and I just freak out and I just run in a circle around this thing. And I get back and Trevor's like, how you doing? And I'm like, not great. <laughs> and that's the only experience I have with Resident Evil 4. Um, I have it. I purchased it for some reason, maybe thinking that I could play it someday, but I have it, but I never will play it. Um, all right, move on. Next one. All right. Number 35, Prince of Persia, the sands of time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad this game made our list. This is another four bro game. Uh, everyone but Keith ranked this one. <laughs> did you ever play this, or did you just kind of half watch me play it in college? Yeah, I mean, I watched you play some in college. I really have no experience with Prince of Persia. Yeah, um, Trev, you ranked it higher than anyone at 33. So go ahead if you if you're ready. I know you. I mean, from what I remember about it, and I think I this also goes for the sequel as well that I think I had on GameCube. Um, was just, I mean, it's just the mechanics were just so fluid and so sm- buttery smooth. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a game for me that just where the gameplay shines above all else and the ability to constantly, you know, retake a jump that you fuck up or anything like that without dying is just so fucking satisfying. Yeah. This had the, um, this came out before Braid. Don't get me wrong, but it had that braid mechanic of, oh, fucked up, better rewind. And mm-hmm. you attempt the same death-defying platforming combination uh, like 16 times in a row if you need to. I, I totally agree, Trev. Just a beautifully smooth game for, I'm looking now, 2003 this came out. Uh, felt ahead of its time in that regard. I remember when it did come out, I was definitely that high school guy going, Prince of Persia. I remember playing that on like my dad's work laptop as a kid in MS DOS or whatever, you know, but no, this is a completely different game than the original Prince of Persia slow ass platforming games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remembered loving this game. I truthfully don't remember a lot about it, um, but I remember really liking it. I know it's one of like critically one of the best games and kind of like sneaky. Cause like, again, like we talked about, like, like who oh, a Prince of Persia they game have they have Prince of Persia Forgotten Sins uh, Vita there was two warrior no two thrones and warrior within two thrones oh that's what it is maybe this isn't the one. right one 
Damn I think it. I have Sands of Time and Two Thrones. Then they yeah, did, Two Thrones was what I was thinking of. Then they Fuck. did a cel-shaded one that they just called Prince of Persia. I mean, I'm, seriously, this franchise had five releases in about 10 years' time. And, Jeez. Yeah. Well, I don't remember that one. Oh, yeah. I, I, I never played it, but it's there were so many Prince of Persia games. But they all started with this one, um, and I'm, I'm really glad to, to have it on the list and to talk about it. There you go. All right. Well, there we go. Moving on. Uh, number 34, GoldenEye 007. There it is. That's a four-bro game. I was the bro abstaining on this one. Uh, just Whoa. didn't make my top 100. Respect it. Loved it. Loved playing it as a kid, but not a top 100 game for me. But I love that it's a top 100 game for all of you. Uh, 89th for Keith, 90th for Trev, 86th for Sheridan, and 82nd for Sween. I feel like I can kind of summarize this game. It was revolutionary at the time, but it's fucking unplayable at this point. Correct. Well, well yeah, said. Yeah, well, they did remake it to make it playable again, I feel they like, did. 10 years ago. So Yes, but even that remake was like, why am I not just playing Halo? <laughs> or one of the other 10,000 first-person shooters that well, come right. out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think yeah. It was, it was on my list. I, as you guys know, I'm not a big shooter guy, but it was obviously a game that sort of defined the N64 and defined some most of our gaming experiences as kids. Mm-hmm. Like that That's enough for me to get on there. I mean, sure. I, I have to assume it's the highest rated uh, game based on a movie, especially a shitty movie like GoldenEye. That's, yeah. Super Mario 64 wasn't a movie? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I guess Do the Mario! <laughs> Number 33, uh, Metroid Prime. That's a game we talked about fairly recently, thanks to Trev's uh, recent discovery of it. Um, Trev, you had it 80th. Sween had it 22nd, and I had it 15th all-time, Metroid Prime. Ooh, dang. So then lead us. I I will try. I think we've said a lot about this game recently. Um, Again, you don't want to use the for-its-time crutch, but... The hype around a 3D Metroid game was so negative, and so what are they doing? It's a perfect formula. Look at the 2D Metroids. They work so well. Um, and it, it really did blow me away. It's a beautiful game, again, for the GameCube, fine. Um, very, very, not linear, not linear, but well-directed. You, you don't, you're not told where to go next, but you kind of know based on what you just unlocked. And you open up your map and realize, oh, I had a dead end last time that had a green door, but now I have the weapon that opens the green doors, so I guess I'll go there or or whatever. Um, memorable game, memorable atmosphere for me more than anything. It, it, the boss fights were great. Uh, some of the puzzles and and battles were were I'm sure good, but I'm struggling to remember them. Um, but it was the the ambiance in uh, what Magmore Caverns and. Uh, chill frost glacier or whatever the hell it's called i just love i mean there's there's a very just somber story in it all that you know it's basically like within like learning that this planet is slowly dying from this radiation you're like well what's causing it what's 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 the what caused this tragedy that that killed this race of like super intelligent beings and is going to doom all the life forms that are still here um yeah and and then you kind of get to the bottom of it and you're just like um like oh there's this giant evil fucking super metroid metroid prime 
living, That's you know, that we already talked about that one. Yeah. That just living in the middle of the fucking planet. And that was an awesome boss fight. Um, we got, we ready to move on just cause we, you know, I could gush about Metroid prime, but we've talked about it and, um, That's fair. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Number 32 is the legend of Zelda, a link to the past. Oh. Mm. Guys, is this our first Zelda game on the list? Yeah, holy I feel shit. like there will be a lot near the top. Yeah, there's I, a lot of Zelda. Yeah, I'm sure. Certainly, there will be more Zeldas. That should surprise no one. But I'm I'm surprised this is the first one we've hit. Um, hey, it's your old pal, Future Stan again. Um, for whatever reason, at this point in the podcast, uh, we discussed the Minish Cap for a solid two minutes. So we're just gonna catch up to speed where. We segue into Trevor saying, I don't remember Minish Cap, but I, I remember this game. Um, but this game, I remember very well. Um, and it was my first Zelda that I ever played, even before Link's Awakening on, on a GameCube, when I would have to go over to my neighbor's house and play on their Super Nintendo and just being like in, totally entranced by it. I think I ended up playing the beginning over and over and over and along before I was ever able to beat it. So just getting those three pendants and then going to the castle um, and then trying to save Zelda and then just getting, you know, blown into this other dimension where I'm a punny. <laughs> and, um, and it's, yeah. And it's just kind of like, what's happened. Um, and that kind of just blew me for, it just blew my mind. Yeah. No, this was a game with a dark world or a dark side of the world. Um, very dated not in a bad way, but but I played this on the Wii Virtual Console. God, that must mean at least ten years ago. But that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> but well, I mean they've re- they've re released this sucker so many times. But but I guess what I'm saying is I played it even ten years ago. This felt like an old game. Um, there's a few things going on in it that aren't 100 percent clear because of the limited text description capability. At one point, there's a guy who puts a curse on you and says, like, ha, 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 now all of your magic will be one half as powerful. And then this one half shows up next to your green gauge. And I'm like, how the fuck, how do I get rid of this? What happened? And I'm Googling around after a while, like, I thought it would be temporary and wear off. Um, No, it's just like a badly translated joke. He has, it's a power up. He has made all of your spells cost one half as much to cast. but Nowhere in the game is that overtly said. It's like Just, you in on the winking joke. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that there is some stuff in hindsight that I couldn't tell if I was just being bad at the game or if things just, you know, were not really that clear. But that was kind of fun of the mystery of, of just putting things together. And the map is sizable, but then again, not. And you yeah. can it's manageable enough that you know, it's easy to return to places and, and try to make sense. And I guess technically the map is twice as big because it's both in, in one world and the other. Um, and I don't know if a link between worlds will make our list, um, but that pretty much takes this game and, and, and doubles it over and gives you a new experience on it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I definitely, definitely think that, I mean, I never found the appeal for The Legend of Zelda on NES, uh, probably because it's just too dated for me. Didn't grow up with it. You know, I was too young at the time. It, um, it's barely playable. Whereas yeah, yeah. So this to, is playable. Yes. Right? Is, 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 yeah. Did did Link's Awakening come out before this one? 
Oh, great question. I don't what? think I don't I, think so. I think like okay. a later release on a shittier system, i.e. the Game Boy. Game so Game I Boy. look at this as being the true start of the franchise, at least for me. If it doesn't come out before Awakenings, I'll give it to this title. This is one of the few mainstream, mainline Zelda games that I have not played. I played A Link Between Worlds for a hot second, and then I can't remember if I got bored or something else came out. But I didn't really. I mean, I know it's not an exact, the exact game, but uh, I've not played Link to the Blast, Link to the Past. I am. I I love a Link Between Worlds, and kind of the way Metroid Fusion is to Super Metroid. I kind of see Link Between Worlds as the accessible version of a Link to the Past. And should should I should give it a give it another try? I, I mean, if you're looking for 2D Zelda, I would do Link Between, well, whatever you call it, 2.5D. Uh, I would go Link to Link Between Worlds over this one. But yeah. I think that's sacrilege in most people's eyes. This one got an enormous boost, Keith, from uh, that consensus list, list six. Um, I said before that Tetris was their all-time favorite game. Um, this is number three on their list. So absolutely some booster points here. We, the bros would not collectively have this 32nd on the list. Um, it would still make the list. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. It would make the list, but it would not be, it would not be this high. Um, number 31 is Banjo Kazooie and Keith, this is your number six game. Hell yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, Sween had it 53 and Steve, you have it 27. So Keith, Let's go. Tell us about Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a fucking iconic game. I mean, so colorful, like, such awesome characters. Uh, like, oh, my God, it's just so fun. You just collect so much shit. And at one moment, you're, like, in a mechanical shark. The next moment, you're in a haunted house. Like, this is, like... Like for when I played this game when I was what like ten, this is like what a game is supposed to be, you know. You just yeah. so fucking colorful, so fun. The mechanics are so fun to just like jump around and like. And I think it, it, it and all that stuff. <laughs> so fun. I love it. I. I and this is something I did not put it on my list. Uh, unfortunately, I do totally respect everything you're saying. And I also feel like it's a game that a lot of people have continued to try to imitate this past weekend. I, for whatever reason, I had like a free download of, of ratchet and clank on, on the PlayStation mm. and I threw it on It's like, I guess they, I, I didn't realize that the franchise had been so long and then stopped making games for a while. And then I guess the movie fucking came out a few years back. And they re-released the game, the first game, um, totally overhauled the graphics, um, and then kind of hooked it up with the movie. Uh, but as I was playing this, I'm like, this feels kind of banjo-y. It's two characters in one, you know, that you're kind of like making use of both of uh, to, to, to do these like platforming kind of open world adventures. Um, so it just made me think of Banjo that kind of like kind of set this the stage for what I think this or Jack and Dexter or whatever would follow up behind it. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the dynamic of Banjo and Kasui is so great because it allows you to have so many different powers, but it still kind of makes sense, right? Like, it's basically like if, if Mario could fly in all of 
Super Mario 64, right? Like, so, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like if from if you get Yoshi from Super Mario World uh, in, in in Mario 64 and having having a dynamic there, right? Yeah. Like that that moment when in Super Mario World when you when you get when you can get Yoshi's and you're like, this is fucking awesome. It's like the whole time with Benjo and Kazooie. It's fun and it's quirky and it's memorable. And uh, you know, and I, I think if you haven't played this, play it on Xbox. I think it holds up to some extent, right? Like, I think it does. I played I, I played a little bit uh, with you somewhat in the last year, Keith, if you remember. I, I, I don't think 3D platforming gets much better than this. Yeah, this um, I'm with you. This it also didn't make my list, but I played and enjoyed it a great deal. Um I, I think Keith, too, to your point, this is a game you talk about like just the the vibes, the the being a kid, having fun dicking around on a game like this. I don't think a game like this gets made today because I don't know if this is the type of game they're making for kids anymore. Just these Where are the microtransactions. Of course I'm not making this. <laughs> right, right. So If it's not going to win awards and it's not going to earn a shit ton of money with microtransactions, then what's the fucking point? I, just, I love the sounds of this game too, and I know uh, obviously Keith does, but... You know, even just Gruntilda talking like, just like <laughs> the whole yeah. time. The sound design was great. Yeah. They like, nailed it. Like, you know, it took the limitation of the N64 where having voiceovers really isn't that plot, like that doable. And it made it like a, uh, like a positive aspect of this game. Like, right. Like, right. You know, you, you look at, uh, like even Ocarina of Time, and I don't think they did it particularly well, but Banjo Kazooie fucking nailed it. Listen, yeah. yeah, no, totally. Um, you guys ready to move on to number twenty-nine? Yeah, so it's me again. It's Future Stan. It's it's Editor Stan. Oh my god, this podcast has been a mess. Um, you might not have even caught what I did there. I certainly didn't in real time. Um, I just, I jumped the dang gun straight from number 31 to number 29 without even pausing to discuss or mention, uh, game number 30, which was Grand Theft Auto 3. Um, fortunately we, we did of course, uh, meander when we talked about Vice City, and as such, I have just a like a little snippet of content on Grand Theft Auto 3 from some of the bros, and it's really all you need. So uh, kick back, relax, and enjoy our our thorough takes on Grand Theft Auto 3. Here they come. I think we can all agree that Grand Theft Auto 3 was, although the third game in the franchise, at least, like... It was the renaissance of it. Like, it, it definitely brought it to a whole new place of which they have not abandoned except for China Wars. A, a giant step that they've never been able to to jump that far ahead. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, that was refreshingly crisp, actually. I kind of regret that not all of our games lasted for, for 30 to 60 seconds of discussion. Um, there's always the, the final 25, I guess. Oh boy. Okay, uh, back to the podcast. Enjoy. You guys ready to move on to number 29? Uh, I'm shocked this game's as high as it is, but this is a four-broke game, and this is inside. 
And yes. So we already discussed Limbo. Exactly. Yeah. The successor to Limbo, you know, for all intents and purposes. Uh, no, one was, higher, no one had this higher than Keith at 13. So Keith, I want to let you lead it off if you'd like to. Yeah. I mean, if I mean, everything I said about Limbo applies here. And I know typically you'd give the edge to like the first game that kind of, you know, started it all off. But I really liked the story here. And obviously there's the story is kind of, I say that loosely, it's really environmental storytelling, right? Like you're going through, uh, you, you, there's no like voiceover. There's not much. You just see. No, but you don't need that much to know that there's a kid trying to run away to be free. Yeah. And, and that journey that takes to mind and that sort of weird, bittersweet ending you get, uh, where I guess you're free. Um, weird, bittersweet. We just discuss what happened. We're a blob of human flesh and limbs that has been devouring a plethora of scientists bursts through the glass, rolls down the hill and lands with like a sick plop at the bottom. And it's like inside the end. Um, Amazing. I I love that. And I don't know if that was them giving the middle finger to pretentious art house people who read like too far in air quotes into uh, limbo, trying to figure out if that game takes place during a car crash or is that the aftermath? Is it cyclical? You break through the glass. And then in this game, they're just like, no, here's a fucking monstrous pile of flesh that you play the final part of the game as. Um, and yeah, good luck. <laughs> I I just found myself much more interested in what was going on in, in inside than I was in limbo. Like, um, but the puzzles were really fun. Like this is just a great experience. And, that ending was obviously very memorable, right? Like yeah. <laughs> it sticks with you for better or worse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I really love this game. Yeah, this was great. Um, I do not know this game. Really? I know Limbo. Okay. I don't think I know inside at all. Like went to the point where you said the what number are we on? 33rd? Where you you said the game and I was like, Oh, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> right, like, I was like, "Oh, that's the game." I oh, all right. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it's good. Yeah, okay. I haven't played. I haven't played Limbo though, so I know Limbo, but I have not played. This came out in 2016, so it's it's not old, but it's not new. Um, I mean, and, that's new enough that I should know it. Yeah, it, it was it was the sequel to to Limbo. Okay, um, same gameplay mechanics and everything. Only a slightly different art design. I mean, yeah, you're a you're a kid just fucking running away from who knows what. I mean, fill in the blanks yourself. Great, uh, great less is more type game when it comes to plot and explanation and stories. Um, but yeah, that's that's inside. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I I'm like looking at cover art and stuff. Yeah, uh, I literally do not know that this is a game. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild be, to me. Can't be more than five bucks at this point. You're gonna have a great three to five hours playing it. Uh, go go play inside. Play go, go, yeah, it's it's Should definitely play, something you do in an evening. Yeah. Should I play uh, Limbo first or no? No, you can go right inside. You I feel like inside's better. You don't need to, but you could play Limbo and enjoy that too. But yeah, you can start with inside. That'd be okay. Fun. Cool. Um, twenty eight on our list is Braid. Another. Mm. 
Mm, this is this is all like Xbox 360 indie titles for me. Yeah, yeah. we hit we hit a little patch here. I like it. I dig it. Um, Braid was, I mean, talk about art house pretentious indie game. No, I I love Braid. Um, number 69 for me. Nice. Uh, 70 <laughs> for you, Trev. 54 for for you, Steve. And then this was eight for Sweeney. So I'm um again bummed that he had to uh, go to bed or or just. Leave us I remember it. I remember talking a lot about this game with Sweeney. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Sands of Time and like the time reversal whoopsie daisy button. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just it made it made it just so uh, I mean, the, the whole environment itself was like dr- so dreamlike and so like imaginative and like. It was just, I loved it. I raved. I remember getting you guys were ragging on me years ago for how much I loved this game and to always talking about Braid. Um, well, I love Braid. I don't think I was ragging on you. No, no. I, I think I think there was a point where I was like aggressively being like talking about Braid and you were like, okay, we get it. <laughs> we've, we've played it. We get it. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't realize that Sweeney would have had it so high. I wish, yeah. Dang. He loves Jonathan Blow. Um, Jonathan Blow made Braid. And then years later, Jonathan Blow made The Witness. Oh, right. I never, we're sidetracking, but I still haven't beaten The Witness, and I know that that's bad. <laughs> the Witness is good, but um, Braid, we'll talk about Braid. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what else is there to say? It's, you guys have kind of nailed it. Graphically, it's just almost a Super Nintendo-like um, game. Not, yeah. not very advanced. It doesn't are, need to be. There are five different worlds here. I think I played this. I beat it in one night. That night involved Keith and Tim, like, shouting out ideas from the couch at one point or another. Definitely a – it's a one-player game, but I, I love the idea of – it's a puzzle game through and through, and you're kind of – what if you tried this? What if you rewound time here, uh, back up this clone of yourself to there? Great game. Great game to, to enjoy. Um, I, I can't let this go by without referencing the Soldier Boy Tellum clip, where Soldier Boy Tellum is playing Braid again, a super indie, pretentious title that people like us loved and and people with their heads up their asses loved. <laughs> and Soldier Boy is going, "Hey, it's your boy Soldier Boy Tellum, and they got this game right for people who smoke or people who drink. Like if you drink beer and you get drunk, or if you smoke weed and you get high." And you just anything like if you if you just be getting fucked up, they got this game right. Oh no, this shit called Braid. Oh no, the fuck. <laughs> watch this shit. It's about this little guy in a in a suit and he walk around and he ain't got no point to the game. You just walk around jumping on shit. It look like Mario in the future. And it's Mario in a business suit with his hair dyed orange and a tie on. And he just walk around jumping and shit. But you, what's the funny part about it? You can do this right. Watch this. You. <laughs> And this game can appeal to the soldier boy and this game can appeal to us. And this game can appeal to people who want to write a PhD uh, thesis on what the game means and what, what was really going on underneath it all. So how, how time travel affects memory and how it affects. Uh, yeah. Um, that's braid. Number 27, metal gear solid. Ah, the PlayStation title. Yes. Yep. 
Yeah, we talked about two at the end of our last episode. Uh, I played one. I liked two better. Sween has Metal Gear Solid ranked number six. So that's at least Ooh. two games. That's three games Sween missed in his top ten. Um, between <laughs> Raid and Metal Gear Solid. Just throwing it out there. Just wish he was here. That's all. Uh, Steve, you had this 57th. Trev, you had Metal Gear Solid 46. So take it all away. Right, about the same place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, close. I mean, uh, this was definitely... I, 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 because of, I think, of a more of the graphical limitations, it wasn't quite as action-heavy as I felt uh, 2 was. Um, but you got a lot of overhead view to kind of like really stake out your, you know, just sneaking out, just a lot of sneaking around. Um, and the, the story was batshit crazy, and everyone's going to remember uh, Mantis Fox as just like, uh, yep. um, you know, causing you to have read, read your memory card or makes you have to plug in uh, the, the controller into the second player slot. Um, just all that stuff is so delightfully imaginative. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think it, and it's one of those things where I was also giving a little bit more credit to, uh, you know, the one that sets the series in motion. Um, although I do feel like all these titles and I, I very much kind of want to revisit the Metal Gear series as a whole, but they really do feel like they stand on their own, you know, completely. Uh, but I still got to give credit to where credit's due. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I kind of put mine in. Again, with like, this was the kind of the first thing that set it off. I know two was obviously different, and Kojima gave you a big fuck you when you had, didn't play a snake. But uh, the first one, yeah, the top down, it was a little bit more sneaking around, less action than than two itself. Um, but I gave this most of the ranking came from like this is what started it all. And I remember even I, I didn't have a PlayStation as a kid, so I played it a little bit later. Um, but I remember my old babysitter and I used to play it together uh, when he came over and he always brought his PlayStation because I always asked him to play. So I would watch him play Metal Gear. That What a good babysitter. Holy right? shit. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah I don't have good awesome. babysitters like that. It was awesome. I want watching my sons in a few there years. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, so with that, let's get right to it. Uh, the number 26 game and the last one we'll discuss tonight is portal yeah Um, this is a good one i this is one of those titles i didn't know where to go portal or portal 2 are they both the same is one better than the other um it it just in my mind it's one long collection i have a hard time distinguishing the two although i think i ranked them both you ranked this you did rank them both and you gave this one your number five vote trev so nice okay um well yeah i think this is like and Sween was 18 and I was 60. So I, I think I think it's just one of those things that when it first came out, just the portal gun blew my mind. I just it just was such an interesting game mechanic. Um that as as we've already kind of talked about Valve and with Half-Life earlier and and you know their inability to kind of keep churning out sequels. Um, you know, I, I feel all that's needed to be said with both of these titles and um and while I, it's hard for me to distinguish where the first game ends and the second one begins, the whole kind of sinister, you know, lab rat vibe, uh, the cake is a lie, being able to, oh, what is it? You're, you're on a conveyor belt thinking you're going to die and you, you get off it at the last second. 
And then you're like running it behind all the things and you're seeing this narrative. The cake is a lie. And it's just fucking blowing your mind. Yeah. Um, and I just, it, it's so, that's, that's such a rare thing for games to do. And I think that's something that most of my top games all have in common is yeah. that they gave me a blow my mind moment. Yeah. Yeah. That you can't underrate that, especially, you know, the memorable ones just absolutely stick with you. And absolutely a lot of my games have a, uh, oh my God, blew my mind type moments. Although, and I definitely want to give credits for this. I do remember the ending of the second game I, I very well, where you shoot a fucking portal on the moon um, and everything, and which I thought was when you're having a fight with the big machine and it pins you down and you kind of are just looking and you see the moon off in the distance. You're just like, I wonder if I can. And then you shoot a beam up there. And then the next thing you know, you have a portal right next to you that's in space. And, uh, I mean, I know that's the second game, but it just still is rooted in that fun gameplay of like, what do you think you're capable of doing if you just connect two portals? Yeah. So top five, baby. There were, there were definitely multiple ways to solve a lot of, um, puzzles and problems in portal because of, again, the weird, almost playgroundy physics you could get with, yeah, just, flying through something uh, through a portal and you're about to die and you, you switch where the portal is and you just did just altering ballistic trajectories was really 100% of that game. And it was weirdly uh, fun and, and didn't get old. Um, yeah. I, I portal was a great game. I'm, this is something I would love to see a third one come back. And I think we've already addressed that. Like why valve? Why I, don't you? I, I don't. I don't even think you need a crazy good story. I, I do think that the character, you know, gets out at the end of the second game. Um, but I, you, you know, and so I guess the story is over for all intents and purposes. But I, I still think the gameplay is so fun. I don't really need a good story to kind of come back and solve puzzles. Uh, just because at its core, I think it's really just solving puzzles and and good ones at that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been plenty of knockoffs or tributes or whatever. Um, you know, first person puzzle games have been just huge, especially as like indie downloadable titles. Um, in my experience over the last 10 years or so, I think there's a lot of portal likes out there, so to speak. Um, and a lot of them very enjoyable. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but that's all I got to say. And I'm glad we're ending on a high note for me guys. We have 25 games left. We're going to unveil them on episode 75. I'm so excited. I <laughs> love half these games. No, I love like almost all these games. A lot of games left that we are going to talk about quite a bit. So Sounds good. We'll get prepared for that one. This was a triumph. I'm making a note here. Huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. You saw how far we're winding this year. Not that and you then, we're making some money about it. You, you don't do never run out of, uh, out of the going back in time potion. You just go back in time forever. I ain't no going forever. And there ain't no point to the game. Just go around. Oh, yeah, I did on YouTube.
Chino. Fellas.